Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. As temperatures begin to drop and winter settles in, if you are homeless, finding a place to stay warm in Northumberland County is not as easy as you think. On today's show, you will learn about the only formal warming center in the entire county. A partnership between Transition House and St. Peter's Anglican Church in Coburg is offering an overnight place to stay. During the day, there are few, if any, alternatives. You will hear how this partnership came to be and what is going on to help the most vulnerable find shelter in the bitter cold. I'm so pleased to have with me today Ann Newman, Executive Director of Transition House, and Reverend Canon Richard Miller, incumbent at St. Peter's Anglican Church in Coburg. Welcome to you both. Thank you. And I want to start with you. Let's start with the basics. What is a warming center? Well, it is a area that provides respite from temperature. So in this case, it's cold. So it doesn't necessarily provide beds for sleeping, um, but it provides a 12-hour option for relief from weather. And what purpose does it serve to the community? How, how does a warming center operate? Well, I think, as you know, we have an emergency shelter and we have various services associated with that. However, there are community members that might not be eligible or fit into that model. So there are some folks who are left with nowhere to go, and this captures the remaining people that we cannot um, provide support for in the shelter services. How does it operate? It's going to run every day, seven days a week from 8 p.m. until 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, And uh, it will go until March 31st. As you know, sometimes we're in a position at the end of the fiscal year where we can reallocate and maybe provide an extension. But at this point, um, the target end date is March 31st. This is not a regularly funded part of our emergency shelter services in Northumberland County. This opportunity is strictly funded under um, the Social Services Relief Fund, which is COVID dollars from from the province. What goes on inside and and how is it staffed? We have two staff there all the time. Um, And those staff are basically doing intake. So before you come into the space, we do rapid testing. So that that uh, takes place. We also take some information. And then, yeah, it's just a space to use a washroom. Maybe there's no showers in there, but you could get cleaned up. There are snacks and refreshments and places to sit and rest. 
There's no programming. There's no case management. One of the things we've been able to add on with um, additional support through the Northumberland United Way is a connection through our community well-being staff, which is outreach, who is available when it closes in the morning. And that person can be a connection through the day to other services in the county and mainly um, food. So we provide Northumberland EAT certificates through that worker, and that gives people the option to go and source food during the day. We also have housing case workers in the community through the help center. We have addiction supports available through Forecast or or, um, the Northumberland Hills Hospital. There's a lot of things that that worker can provide referrals and connections to. So, So that's exciting. Why did you decide to partner with St. Peter's Church? Well, I think the question is, or not the question, the excitement is that they decided to partner with us. So, you know, churches tend to be a space that there's available space at night. Um, And when we approached St. Peter's Church, there was open arms and welcome. And since then, it, it has been that. It has been a provision of, of resources and clearing the way for us to be able to provide this in the community. So maybe they chose us. We'll let, we'll let oh, Richard... I was going to say, I, I, now I think <laughs> it's time for Rick to maybe jump in here and tell us the story, Rick. How, how did this all come about? Well, I've, it's... <laughs> It's been a while coming uh, over the last uh, couple of years. We at St. Peter's have been seriously uh, reevaluating what our role is in this community um, as a group of uh, as a peop- as a group of people of faith. Um, how can we respond? So we've spent a, a great deal of time and energy uh, trying to determine um, where our mission and ministry might be within the community. And one of those, uh, one of the two specific ones or, or significant ones uh, was those who live in a vulnerable situation in life. Um, and that can range in all sorts of different ways. Uh, just outside my office, there is a porch where quite often I will find someone sleeping in the morning. Uh, that's all well and good in the warmer weather. Um, at this time of year, it makes a difference. So it fits in with with what we've come up with as our vision for our ministry and mission as a community of faith here in Coburg. And we've been um, working towards that and this happened to come along and it's sort of worked out very, very well. And uh, we were delighted to be able to offer the space. We were more delighted that the space was deemed to be um, valuable for, for this purpose. And uh, uh, we've cleaned it all out and they've moved in. And I think that's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'm still not clear who, who invited who to the dance. So Maybe we met on the dance floor, Lord. I, I was going to say, how did the connection take place? Because I, I think that's it's significant um, how these things sort of coalesce in, in the world. Uh, who would like to talk about how the, the two of you got together and, and what those discussions in, entailed? Well, I, I can offer something and then let Anne correct me. Um, we, we have developed here what we call our vision working group. And they have done an awful lot of exploration of who we might be able to partner with in the community um, to uh, 
repurpose our assets, the, the properties and the buildings and the spaces that we have. Uh, as I said earlier, there were, there were two significant um, uh, issues that we wanted to address. The others is, is uh, things for seniors. Um, so that's one of two things. How can we then offer? So our vision working group, I think, uh, was doing some exploration and probably... Um, found Anne somehow or found Transition House somehow. So Anne, you can correct me from there. Well, um, at that time, Bobby, who is the executive director of Northumberland United Way, um, got together with, at the time, the chair of our board, Jeff Wielden, and they approached St. Peter's based on a little bit of knowledge of the work that you guys were up to. And with a simple hello, it turned into an agreement, which then kind of filtered down to us to make it happen. And it has been open arms. So what I heard when I originally connected with Eunice was, this is what we do. We are here to help. And everything I've heard since then and experienced since then has has matched that. So, I mean, inside the church, I see people knitting hats and scarves and helping in any way they can to have that space available and have all the resources that maybe the people might need. So maybe a higher power put all this together. Indeed. Rick, back, back to you a bit. Um, for those who might be familiar with St. Peter's in the building, what space are, are, is going to be used for this? The space that, that is being used is what we traditionally call our Hutton Room. It was a lounge that was uh, part of a building repurposing and redevelopment uh, in the early 2000s. Um, it's quite a lovely space and has been used as a lounge. We would have our, when we were worshiping in person, we would have our coffee hour after church services there, and there would be numerous meetings, gatherings, such as that. It was the space that our parish nurse utilized uh, for quite a while. And uh, with, with the uh, upswing of COVID, of course, our building has been restricted um, with, for use. And uh, so the space was the space was there and it was not being used and it needs to be used. If we're going to have the space, it needs to be used and used well. And certainly this is uh, that fits that bill very well. Now, beside the space, um, are you offering any uh, services through the church or are there any members of the parish that are involved? Uh, not directly. Um, Transition House uh, is is solely responsible for most of that. Where where it has spun off is that uh, we've received a number of uh, responses through our Facebook page and uh, through our um, front desk email saying, "This is this is wonderful. How can I help? What can I do?" Um, so as Anne has mentioned, you know, the, we do have people who have knitted things. Um, our we have a community dinner or our Thursday night light dinner every every week where we are now serving 
about 140 people out the back door. I'm afraid it's into, uh, it's not allowed to be a sit down inside dinner any longer because of COVID, but we hand out these dinners. If there's any food left over, it's going to Transition House for them to uh, take our uh, lunch program, does the same thing, uh, what we call super time, if there's anything left over. Um, and I'm, um, that's where I think it's not direct, but it, it's, it's sparked a lot of interest within the congregation. You, you've mentioned two other things that you do in terms of, of the community, and that was the Thursday Night Light and the Super Time. Can you just, for people who are not familiar with that, just quickly encapsulate what those two things are and, and uh, what they involve? Sure. Well, third, uh, the Super Time is a soup and sandwich lunch program. Um, we are one of a number of, of locals that are involved in that. Uh, St. Andrew's Presbyterian, uh, Salvation Army. I uh, believe Trinity United is involved in that. And each day during the week, Monday to Friday, people can go to a specific location and get a prepackaged uh, lunch of a soup and a sandwich and any little goodies that might come along with that as well. Um, Thursday Night Light is a different format. It is a weekly dinner every Thursday night. Uh, Pre-COVID, it was actually, we offered it to the community. So many of the seniors from our uh, St. Peter's Court apartments would come meet with those uh, whose finances uh, are more restricted than a lot of folks, uh, people who don't have a place to live, and they would come together and share a meal together. Uh, and uh, we would have a small worship service for those who wished at the end of it that since COVID has transitioned into um, providing meals that are pre-packaged uh, so each week uh, they are set up as I say before COVID we were serving 70 to 80 folks uh, at a sit-down dinner um, we are now providing meals for about 140 each week um, so then that they are given out at our north door every Thursday beginning at about I think it's uh, 4.45, quarter to five or five o'clock, somewhere around there. Am I correct in saying that uh, the Thursday night group uh, received some recognition recently from the town of Coburg? Yes, they did. Uh, they were they were recognized, and we're so very grateful for that. There's a marvelous team of folks that work on all of that, and uh, and our Thursday night uh, Thursday night light volunteers, and they're not all St. Peter's people. Uh, we have people coming from all sorts of different places. Some people who are not churchgoers. Uh, some people who just believe this is the right thing to do, um, and that's that's also the the impetus. If I can. Segue back to to why we we're honored to host uh, the warming center for with Transition House. Rick, for the people who are not familiar with Christianity or the church's involvement in the community, how does this partnership uh, become an expression of the beliefs or faith of those involved? <laughs> well, how long do we have, Rob? Uh, <laughs> I think there's, uh, this is me speaking personally, I think there is certainly a, a very large shift in the um, understanding of, of what it means to, to be a Christian, and um, it's, it's shifting into how, uh, how can we follow Jesus and, and be of value in the world in which we live, and how can we model that? Um, 
it's becoming far less about, you know, my own personal, um, this is all about me, 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 but it's about me following this guy, Jesus, and saying, how can we live that out in the world? Uh, and we do so in his name and by the grace of God. And last year, two warming centers were created at the Lions Center and at the Columbus Hall. These involved Northumberland County, the Greenwood Coalition, and St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. This year, it is an entirely new partnership. What happened in between? Well, I think, um, I'm not sure what happened with, you know, how it came about or the closing out of it because I wasn't involved in, in running it. Now, one of the things that has been set up at Northumberland County and disbanded since then is called the NAG, which is the Northumberland Advisory Group. And in that group, we had the representatives of um, those who serve uh, the homeless community. And it involved Greenwood and Northumberland United Way, Cornerstone, myself, um, public health. Uh, I really hope at the help center. So I really hope I haven't forgotten somebody. Um, and we sort of planned at that level what to do with COVID dollars because COVID dollars came in to support vulnerable populations, but how do we work together to disseminate that um, in a way that all of the homelessness service organizations are, are contributing, participating, receiving extra dollars that they need to, to move forward. And at that time last year, there was more funds, quite frankly. So there was more opportunity to have one in the day and one in the night. But I also don't want to discount the fact that not everybody in Coburg is open to operating a warming room. And it becomes difficult to find a location. So I'm not sure we even approached the previous location because it was a different service provider, a different agreement. We didn't know the history, et cetera. And, and this one this year just sort of arrived. And at that point, Transition House was positioned to take on the work. One of the things that's affecting the work that we do nowadays is the ability to recruit people. So hiring has become quite a struggle. And our ability to utilize the systems, the staffing, the services, the policies, procedures, testing, et cetera, and to just move it over and add on a little bit was a little more realistic than starting all over. It's also really hard to recruit people to do work for just a few months. This way, we have a training ground in the shelter. We also have work perhaps after this is over in the shelter, as our shelter system continues to evolve into what it's going to be after COVID. Um, in all of this, we have been, because of the recruitment issues and staff training issues, we've been working with the um, Training and Development Center in Coburg to create some entry-level training programs for people who want to work in this homelessness system. And we're going to be piloting that with the warming room so that will give us the ability to kind of support people with training ongoing electronically and also provide opportunity for people that aren't being offered full-time permanent work. So all of those connections together made it the right fit for this year. 
I'm not sure. It's not a transition house service. This is an extra project that we are taking on. And I think now the NAG has disbanded because I think COVID's going to end. But now we've developed something called the Homelessness Leadership Table. And those same organizations, plus a few more, um, CAMH is there. Um, I'm trying to think if I've missed anyone else. I think we're still in the process of developing that. So new membership may, may appear, but we will continue to see that evolution of the full system together after this. I guess that was what was at the heart of my question was um, trying to understand, and, and maybe you could be just a little bit clearer how the collaboration, I mean, Greenwood Coalition is very much involved with homelessness, Salvation Army very much involved with homelessness, the county has a, a huge role. So I, how, how do we make sure that all the, all the players, be, because I mean, if you look at the surface, it's like, well, there was one group over here that was doing it last year. They used this building, that building, and now all of a sudden we're over here and it's a whole new group and, and you know, God bless. But at the same time, uh, you know, are, are there still the collaboration? You know, we all talk about collaboration. The county talks about collaboration. You talk about collaboration. Are, you know, is it still ongoing? Are, are people being referred? Because let's be honest, you're the only show in Northumberland right now. We've lost the police station. We don't have the multiple buildings. Uh, we don't have the high school. So you're the only show in town, you guys. Well, maybe we like to work. We like to get her done. And we see the need and we put the resources in and we move forward. So when people ask us to take on a project, the answer is always yes. So perhaps those other organizations did not wish to provide the service. That has nothing to do with partnership because I still see all of these organizations as a system working together. And our community well-being staff is the almost the centralized point of referral to all of those services. So for sure, Greenwood has a very different yet complementary nature of services to us. So we can't do what they do and they can't do what we do. The same goes for Northumberland Hills Hospital and uh, Forecast. All of us are complementary, even Cornerstone. They are a shelter just a couple doors down, but they are complementary. So all of us working together, I think needs work as we move forward as this system evolves, it's shaken us up. We're, even Transition House, we're trying to get back to what our actual mission is. The mission of Transition House is simply shelter. However, we are providing a ton of different services over and above that because of the gaps found in the community and no other provider either able or having the desire to do it. We have that desire. I don't know why, but if it's not going to be done and someone else is going to say, no, we're going to take it on. I personally offered it out to every other organization because I do not like the um, ha having power over the entire system from a client perspective, right? So because of that, just to be clear, one of the challenges for, for other service providers might be when they witness a service restriction um, in the shelter. So there is an individual that they may serve that is not able to access our shelter. Um, that does not apply to the warming room. So if somebody cannot access the shelter due to not being able, for whatever reason, a service restriction or an eligibility issue, they are open 
to come to the warming room. I think that was a concern. If we have an, a service restriction over here, will it apply over here? That's not the case. We are ready and willing to work with any service provider that is ready and willing to work. But I also think other service providers are experiencing the same capacity issues that all of us are in staffing and resourcing. Everything shifted, even the funding. What what funders want to fund now has shifted. So everything involves rethinking. And in that rethinking, all of the organizations have to redefine how we want to work together. We have to agree on the definitions of everything. And right now we don't even really agree on those definitions yet, but we're working towards it. You mentioned funding uh, just a second ago, and you talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, so my understanding is, is that this is getting COVID dollars from the county. How much is, is being allotted for this from the county? The warming room budget is around $150,000. And Rick, is the church at all contributing financially to this project? Not financially, no. We're, we're uh, simply the, the uh, space provider, if you will. And, uh, and to be transparent, um, we're receiving actually rental income from through this um, into, into St. Peter's. Which is where I think these COVID dollars, when they work in partners, partnerships like this, begin to rebuild the community. So, you know, we've struggled, and I'm sure the church has struggled too with not being able to have people in. So it becomes win win. It's the same with Northumberland Eats. When we give those vouchers out, we're actually supporting community businesses. Um, so I, I like the shift there. You mentioned earlier, we talked briefly about the fact that this is the only warming center in Northumberland County. Now, this is great for people living in Coburg, but how does this help those who might need similar service from elsewhere in the county? Can you explain that, Anne? That's a good question. So I, I have questioned that myself. How do we get people experiencing temperature issues from Campbellford over here? And I think that is about our work in what you're doing, getting the message out and us as an organization doing targeted outreach to the organizations that serve those folks in other municipalities. I think one of the goals ahead of us this year and maybe for the next few years is to bring this whole county together on the issue. Because we are situated in Coburg, we have become a Coburg-centric service. Um, I think there is... And I would say this is an old opinion that let's have everyone close to where all the service providers are because of transportation issues. But we know Community Care Northumberland has transportation available. They have rural transportation. So there are ways to get folks to Coburg. But maybe also as we move forward, we start thinking, is Coburg the right place? I don't know. Because it becomes a challenge to serve the whole the whole community. And the other challenge I see before us in this county is <laughs> the business hours of 1980. Everybody closes down at four o'clock and goes home. So our services continue 24-7 and people are experiencing these temperatures in the middle of the night. We don't even have taxi service here that, that you know, we'll have one taxi that maybe goes on vacation. So those are the challenges and the gaps in the community that I'd really like to look at to bring us together as a county. Now that the weather has become colder, 
is there more demand for shelter at Transitionist House? And what are you seeing? I have seen the demand increase, not just because of temperature. I think the demand is increasing because of economy. Um, temperature might now raise our numbers in the warming room. Um, those numbers haven't been full. So I'm wondering if people quite aren't quite aware that it exists, but we can take 20 people in that room and, and sometimes we only have five. So that is available. And I think there's a lot available, but people aren't aware. But I really believe this homelessness issue is going to increase as we see the effects of the pandemic. People's economic issues are declining rapidly. And, and what Richard brought up about seniors, the group that I'm starting to see now are the seniors who say have been comfortably housed for a certain period of time, let's say renting in someone's home. And now a lot of people are selling and moving. And once those people are left to find housing in this current market, the shelter becomes the only option. And uh, I don't know what to do about the fact that the rental rates in Coburg seem to be higher than Toronto. And that's my issue with housing seniors, especially some that have lost a spouse. And now they've had two incomes and now they're only down to one. So um, being able to start thinking creatively about how to house people together, I'm not sure, but this is going to get worse in Rick, my opinion. <laughs> Rick, uh, going forward, what, what, what can we expect? I'm not sure how to answer that, Rob, but I'm, we're hoping that uh, we've already um, had sort of little conversations just about put future uh, partnerships with, with Transition House. I don't know how that might work out. Uh, St. Peter's is certainly exploring different options. We're going through a, a fair amount right now um, with our own building issues, but then we've got a significant amount of property. So we're wondering how to repurpose that. Um, how can we use that uh, property and our building? We have a significant building here. Uh, how can we use that for the benefit of this community of Coburg and the surrounding area? Um, so we don't have those answers yet, but we are asking the questions and certainly this uh, fortuitous uh, partnership with Transition House in the county this year for the warming room has uh, seemingly opened another door uh, of exploration and, uh, and future possibility. Anne, uh, how, do you, how do you see things going forward from here? The same. I feel... You know, when you meet somebody, you sort of work together, maybe you have a landlord and tenancy situation, but I see the evolution of this into reciprocal partnership. And um, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to see um, <laughs> a church and organization who is, let's say, putting their money where their mouth is. Um, you're leading the way and allowing um, people to have access to basic needs with, with actual love. So this has been an amazing experience. I mean, we're only a few weeks in, um, but if it's an indication of where we're going, and then I have a lot of hope. And Newman, Richard Miller, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was Ann Newman, Executive Director of Transition House, and Reverend Canon Richard Miller, incumbent at St. Peter's Anglican Church.
I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.